Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel and I'm here with Jack and Riv. This is different now. It's episode 41, but we're not recording in the studio. We're recording through Zoom, as you guys can see. But if you're listening, you can't see. But needless to say, we're going to go on with the show. So the topics for today are we're going to talk about the matchup between Tua and Justin Herbert. If DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the NFL, who will win the AFC East? If the Raiders are a lock to make the playoffs, how special the 2020 rookie receiver class has been? How good will Jameis be now that Drew Brees is out? If the Rams are favorites in the NFC West, and we're going to talk about Daniel Jones's rare zero turnover game, and then we're going to finish off the show with NFL pick on week 11 and our week 11 power ranking. So how are you guys today? I'm doing well. It's weird being over Zoom, but, you know, it's the new normal. And uh, as unfortunate as it is, we got to get used to doing things like this more often than we would have liked to a year ago. Tell him, man, let's get to work. That's it. (laughs) Get to work. Nothing's going to stop us from talking about uh, everything that's happened for the past week, and we're going to have a big week between everything we're talking about today and then the draft tomorrow night. And then – Meek Mill is recruiting James Harden. He's going oh to God. Brooklyn. James Harden is going to Brooklyn. <laughs> yo, he's, by yeah. the time by the time he goes to Brooklyn, we're gonna record our our next episode Friday. No, oh, that's gonna we'll be. We'll talk good about one. it. Now, but yeah, uh, Riv can't be can't be unmuted for too long, <laughs> or else the background noise will start. <laughs> but uh, okay, so we're gonna get on to the first topic of the day. And of the show, Tua versus Herbert, the Dolphins beat the Chargers. It was a pretty close game, but not really if you were watching the game. It it felt like the Dolphins were in control of the game the entire time. But it's not about the game. It's about who played better between the two rookie quarterbacks, the fifth overall pick in Tua and the sixth overall pick in Justin Herbert. Who was the better quarterback that game to you guys? I thought it was pretty clear. I mean, Tua had the better game, I would say. You look at the numbers, they're fairly similar. Tua was 15 to 25, 169 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, which is one of the more important things I'll get to. Herbert, 20 of 32, 187 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But, you know, the Dolphins also have a world's better defense. They have better coaching. They made another huge special teams play. Van Ginkle seems to be like the diamond in the rough of this latest draft class. But all around, they are just supporting Tua much better. And you look at Herbert, you know, I feel like he's trying to force more because it seems like he's always playing from behind. And we've talked about it when we've talked about Justin Herbert in past videos. Tua doesn't have that problem, and it leads to him being more comfortable and more efficient. And that efficiency is what's made him so special so far through his first three starts. He is one of two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era to go through his first three starts without a turnover. And that's what's made him so good in his short span of playing is, you know, normally you see rookies trying to force things, making mistakes, but he's slowly easing himself into this offense and making big plays while not forcing them and making mistakes. That's the thing that's impressed me most, but I think in this one, clearly Tua was the better player. So I I think that set that you brought up about one of two quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era, not to have a turnover, it was probably wrong. Maybe interception-wise, it was right. But Tua had a fumble against the Rams when Aaron Interceptions. Donald, that's what and, I meant. Okay, that's yeah. So, bad. interceptions. But 
Honestly, I'm not very impressed with with uh, Tua. I know that he's three and zero as a starter, and yeah, he had a good game. I'd say Justin Herbert and Tua had similar games, but in my opinion, Justin Herbert was better when you take into account all of the stuff that he's had to deal with during the game. The Dolphins are a top five defensive team. I'm pretty sure they're actually they're the fifth ranked defense. The Chargers are the twenty second ranked defense. In reality, Tua should have had about 200 or 300 passing yards on his Chargers defense. The running game wasn't going for the Dolphins that much. The only reason that um, Ahmed scored was because of the fumble, and then he had an easy touchdown. So I just feel like Justin Herbert and Tua, they had similar games, but when you take into account where the Dolphins rank defensively, the help that Tua has versus the help that Justin Herbert has, I think Justin Herbert had the better game. And this was by far the worst game of his pro career, and he had three touchdowns and one turnover. So, you know, that's how good he's been, just to put into context how good Herbert has been. Well, you guys have already said damn near everything, but if I had to pick a side, I'll probably go with Joel's side because I think when you take everything into account, you know, Miami's defense and the fact that the Chargers' defense is pretty weak, I, I personally think if we would have flipped Guys, Justin Herbert would have had a field day on the Chargers defense. So I think if put it into context, Tua kind of struggled. Their numbers are kind of similar. Both of them had a turnover. So I think putting that putting all that into perspective, I would have to say Herbert kind of had the better game. So that's the that's that's the route I'm gonna take. And honestly, I feel like we all just kind of said the same thing in three different ways. You know, like I was trying to maybe I misstated what I was saying, but like Tua Herbert has to do more. There's no question about it because his defense is terrible and he doesn't have the uh, the system around him that is as good as Tua has. And I think that that leads to Herbert doing more impressive things and making better plays because he has to to keep them in the football game. But Tua, I feel like he's easing into things and I, I've seen signs out of him that I like. And from his first start to now, I feel like it's definitely fair to say there's been improvement and at least in comfortability and, you know, pocket presence, making the right decisions, making smarter plays. And I feel like he is just settling in right now. I think that he had, it's hard for me to say who had a better game. They had two different games. Herbert made a few more mistakes because the Dolphins have such a good defense and they're going to do that to any quarterback. So it's not a, a knock on Justin Herbert, but Tua. I feel like was more efficient, more because of what is surrounding him. So like Riff's, I think Riv just said this, if you put Herbert in Tua's shoes, I'm sure that he would be lighting the world on fire. But, you know, we can only judge them based on what we saw. I just want to give this opportunity to give a huge shout out to the Dolphins special team. Danny Crossman has this unit playing great football. I think they're a top three special teams unit. They blocked the punt versus the Chargers. <laughs> They Jakeem Grant, who's their punt returner, he took he took one to the house against the Rams, and every single time he took he got a chance to return it against the Chargers, he had a great return. But that being said, I also want to highlight how horrible the Chargers play calling on first down is. Their offensive coordinator staying um Shane Steichen. Hopefully I said that right. But I feel like whenever I watch the Chargers on first down. It's always an inside zone. It's a shotgun. It's an inside zone to Balaj or Kelly. 
they did this multiple times. And the play that personifies this the most is that when the Chargers were down, they, it was um, the Chargers were down. It was under four minutes left. It was three minutes and 50 seconds to be exact. The Chargers are down two scores, two possessions. The play they call on first down is a halfback draw from the shotgun. Uh, this, every single time the Chargers call the first down play, it was an inside zone. And I feel like that's, it, it was super frustrating to watch because I think the play calling was a big factor into why Justin Herbert didn't have the game that he had. I know he got intercepted by Xavier Howard. It was kind of some miscommunication because I think Mike Williams was running a curl route or an out route. And, you know, Xavier just jumped it. He leads the league in an interception, so he's a great corner. And that's pretty much what happened. But outside of that, I didn't really see too many mistakes from Herbert. There was one near interception where Denzel Perriman almost intercepted him because the ball got tipped up. But outside of that, I didn't really see any mistakes, like glaring and eye-popping mistakes from Herbert. Yeah, and he, he's been super impressive so far. And I feel like this has been a theme of the last few weeks. But the Chargers have got to be excited in what they have in Justin Herbert. Now it's just what are the steps to build around him. And I think one of the first steps, which we've also talked about before, and I know those Chargers fans who have been in our comments the past few videos agree with this, the coaching staff needs a complete purge. I, maybe you can salvage two or three guys from that entire staff, but there are just mistakes in every aspect of the game that are inexcusable. And when you have a young rookie quarterback talent like this, you don't have much time to, to mess around and make mistakes. And if you're going to hire a new head coach, you got to hit on that head coach because you can't put him in a position like the Browns have put Baker Mayfield in, like the Jets have now put Sam Darnold in, where you're going on a coaching carousel trying to figure out the right guy. This coaching decision for them this offseason, hopefully – that they'll, they will be making replacing Anthony Lynn will be one of the most important moments of Justin Herbert's career if he stays with the Chargers because it can be the difference between him ascending next year and becoming one of the top quarterbacks in the league or, you know, flatlining like Baker Mayfield has in Cleveland. Riv. Yo. You want to add on to that? Oh, no. Nah. Now you guys damn near and said everything. I'm good. Yeah, but but ultimately, my final verdict on the Tua versus Herbert matchup that was kind of hyped up uh, was that I really couldn't come away with a solid decision. Like this game, their both of their performances, it's not like one guy was way better. They were kind of even, and this is not this game does not. I'm not judging this game highly at all. Like I'm not really judging this game too crucially. Um, but two things that I've really liked from Tua and Herbert. Herbert, he really has a talent because his his arm is so strong for throwing on throwing off his back foot. He's great when he throws off of his back foot, and he's super accurate when he does it. And it's it's insane because that's how much arm talent he has. But Tua throws some dimes. He fits the ball into some tight ass spaces. Excuse me for my language, but he fits the ball into some really tight spaces. And I'm like, wow, that was a great throw. Yeah, and, and you said it. I don't think that anybody should be making a decision based on one game on these rookie quarterbacks. I think that we really have a special crop here between Burrow, Herbert, Tua, and you know, there's even a couple other guys we haven't seen 
you know, you have love up in Green Bay. Who knows how long before he's taken over for Aaron Rodgers and Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Maybe he'll get a chance this season. I know we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about the Eagles later during our pick'em segment. But Wentz has looked, uh, you know, very shaky this season. So who knows? Maybe Jalen Hurts gets a chance and, and pulls the Lamar Jackson. But I, I feel like this is a really special crop, and they they all have great careers ahead of them, especially those three: Burrow, Herbert, and Tua. And just to finish off with this stat, there are three teams in the NFL currently that have not lost by more than one score. The Steelers are nine and zero. The Chiefs are eight and one, and the third team is the Chargers. They're two and seven. And since 2019, they have lost 16 one-possession games. I don't know what's worse, being a Jets fan where we're not competitive week to week at all and we're horrible, or where we know that we're a good team and we just can't win. Yeah, and that's that. I'm laughing, but that is sad, and that can't be excused. And that's that's on the coaching. You know, when it comes down to it, and you get into those one-score games, you have the talent to get you there. That comes down to just getting out coached by, by better coaches around the league. Yeah. So now we're going to go on to our next topic. We talked about the Dolphins just now. Last week they beat the Cardinals, and this week the Cardinals face another AFC East opponent in the Bills. And DeAndre Hopkins made a hell of a catch to win the game for the Cardinals. And this might be some recency bias, but I want your takes on this. Is DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the NFL, and why? Brave, you can go first on this one if you want to. I, I took I took the first step uh, on the last topic, so I'll let you go first on this one. I think we're probably all going to have the same answer. Uh, me and you definitely probably are. I don't know if Joel's going to have the same answer, but I've been saying since last year, I think DeAndre Hopkins has been the best receiver in the league for a minute. And I think if you, like, yeah, stats, I think if you look at it from just a, watching receivers play like you put the best receivers out there and you watch them play there really isn't a weakness DeAndre Hopkins has he can play deep he can play in the slot so and there's like nobody that can guard him in the league and I think this year with a quarterback like Kyler Murray I think he's proven that he's one of the best I mean he's had he's played with pretty bad quarterbacks throughout his years aside from Deshaun Watson and um Kyler Murray so he's played with horrible quarterbacks and he still was able to put up pretty amazing numbers. So I would, I would go DeAndre Hopkins is probably the best receiver in the league right now. I'm also, because I don't know what Joel's going to say about this, but I'm going to agree with Riv. And like Riv said, I've been saying this since last year, I could pull up the text message receipts for you. I know I haven't been on the podcast long enough to have my take on the podcast, but I've been saying this for a year now. And, you know, you might not be able to see it in numbers, but you look this year and he's got 67 catches, 861 yards, which are both second in the NFL behind, ironically enough, Stephon Diggs, who would have had the game winning catch had it not been for DeAndre Hopkins. And he co-leagues the lead in first downs and leads all receivers in broken tackles. And I think that those numbers give you an idea of his wide skill set. Like he can do it all. And a lot of it comes down to eye test too. I watched him in person last year against the Jets in a fourth quarter drive coming from behind. I was sitting there saying DeAndre Hopkins is getting the ball here. And against double coverage, he caught three passes on the final drive, including a ridiculous touchdown catch to win the game. It's it's like in basketball, you say it all the time in a close game. You know where the ball is, co- where the ball is going, but you just have to stop it. And I feel like DeAndre Hopkins has that it factor. You can know the ball is going to him and not be able to stop it. 
as you saw on Sunday. And I think another funny thing to note, and it, it hurts DeAndre Hopkins numbers almost more than any other receiver in the league. Um, last week against the Dolphins, they had four penalties against Xavier Howard, three of which were accepted. And that resulted in 42 penalty yards. They were all pass interferences against DeAndre Hopkins. So that's 42 yards that he didn't get credit for. And he's just so difficult to guard. You take into account the amount of times that he's been interfered with that he hasn't gotten the yardage for. I think he's the toughest guy to guard in the league. He has the size, the speed, the route running. You could hit him in, in the short game. He could break tackles and break it long. You could hit him deep downfield. He's got the hands and can create the separation to make those catches. I, I think he's the best all-around receiver in the league. In early 2020, there was a poll conducted by coaches, uh, players, and GMs that voted on who the best wide receiver in the league is. Hopkins was third. First was Mike Thomas. Second was Julio. I'm pretty sure it was one of those, but Hopkins was third. Right now, we're in a situation where we haven't seen too much of Julio. We haven't seen too much of Mike Thomas because he's been hurt. But this is one of the few years where I feel like the best wide receiver in the NFL is an open debate. It can be a lot of guys, and you wouldn't be wrong if you mentioned a lot of guys. For me, that one guy is not DeAndre Hopkins. The best wide receiver in the NFL right now is Devontae Adams. When you look at what he's done in Green Bay, for one, he's the only wide receiver in the NFL that has that is averaging over 100 yards per, per game receiving. He's averaging 106 per game. Hopkins is at 95. Devontae Adams is tied first with Adam Thielen with nine touchdowns in the league right now. And I also got to note that he's played seven games. Hopkins has played nine. If Adams plays two games, he's he's number one in receiving in the league right now. Yeah, and, and it kind of reminds me of the running back debate that we had, I think, two episodes ago. Dalvin Cook has been far and away the best running back in the league this year, in my opinion, but I don't think he's the best running back in the league overall. I think that Devontae Adams has been the best wide receiver in the league this year with the numbers he's put up and him and Aaron Rodgers, they're the deadliest combo in the league by far this season. But overall, I think personally, I think it's DeAndre Hopkins, but I could see an argument for Julio Jones, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, even if you want to make a case for Michael Thomas, I could see that even though we haven't seen two of those guys that much this year, like you mentioned, um, I don't know that Devontae Adams is there yet, but he has definitely creeped into the top five this year. He was on the outside looking in coming into this year, but I think he has now moved into the top five this season. I think he, Devontae I, I Adams I is there. I, did, I disagree. I think Devontae Adams has been in top a top five receiver for a, a year or two now. I, I think it, he hasn't had a 1K year yet, but he, you have to remember he's been hurt in a lot of his seasons. He's been missing out on a lot of his seasons. So I, I I would say of of skill set alone, Devontae Adams is definitely top five. I wouldn't mind you putting up there. You can make the argument for Stephon Diggs being the best receiver this year. But I think for consistency purposes and skill set, I would pick DeAndre Hopkins just because he can do everything and he's been the most consistent receiver in the league. Devontae Adams had a one K year in twenty eighteen. A thousand two hundred and eighty six yards, yeah. One of the most one of the most impressive things for me this year out of Devontae Adams is if you use kind you've kind of been seeing out of him what I said about DeAndre Hopkins has done in his whole career is he is the number one guy undebatably on that Packers team and there's not really a second receiver to compliment him. You know, you could say Valdez Scantling, but he's 
up and down like a roller coaster. So Devontae Adams has been the one consistent there and still nobody can stop him. So that's why I said for me, he's creeping into that conversation. I didn't have him uh, for me coming into the season. I had Julio, Mike Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins on a separate level from any other receiver in football. Now this season with what I've seen out of Devontae Adams with the circumstances around him and what he's been able to do, he's creeping into that conversation of it's not a top three anymore. Now it's the top four. Well, no doubt about it. Hopkins is amazing. And he caught the game winning pass over Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer and Tredavious white. All three of those guys are the best defenders on Buffalo's defense. And he caught, caught it over all three. So that was an insane catch. And if, like I said earlier, I think the best wide receiver right now is up for grabs. And if you have Hopkins in it, I can't argue it. That's a good take. I think Hopkins, Adams, Diggs all have a case this year. So I I don't think either answer would be necessarily wrong. I just think it's a preference at that point. So DeAndre Hopkins caught the pass over those three Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills, they've been kind of concerning because we expect more out of them. And now we see the Dolphins coming. They're surging. Top 10 offense and defense. And my question to you guys is, they're just one game away from tying, from being tied with the Bills in the division. Do you guys think that the Dolphins are going to win the AFC East? Or who do you guys think is going to win the AFC East? Um, I still have the Bills. You know, I, I feel like that game... I wasn't really – it wasn't a uh, – I wasn't concerned about it because they lost off a game winner, which is – it was just an amazing play at the end. Like, DeAndre Hobson missed that catch. They didn't beat the Cardinals and Seattle in pretty good fashion. So, I'm not truly – I'm not scared for the Bills. I still think the Bills are going to go away and run away with this division. I do think Miami is going to probably oh, make the playoffs though right behind them. But I, I still have the Bills because I still think they have the better quarterback. I think offensively they're better. I think defensively they have the potential – to be better than Miami, they just haven't showed it this year. But I think they're going to probably reach their peak faster than normal, and they're going to end up winning the division. Run away with this division? I'm not sure about that. When you, when you look at the schedule, the Dolphins have the Broncos, Jets, and Bengals up next. They're 6-3 and three right now. I think they win all those games. So they can be 9-3. and hey, three. I used the wrong word. Pardon me. I used the wrong word. I just think they're going to win the division. Run away okay. was crazy. I'm sorry. Dolphins, they can win the next three games if they do their 9-3. Then they have the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. I think that the AFC East is going to come down to that Week 17 game against the Bills. Whoever wins that game is going to win the division. And right now, I'm leaning towards the Dolphins. I know people are still kind of in this mindset of, are we sold on the Dolphins or not? Because they came out of nowhere. But they got the 5th-ranked defense. They got the ninth ranked offense. And they have a top three special teams unit in the NFL. They are the they are the perfect example of what a complete team in football is. And if you know you're banking on Tua just getting better as he keeps playing and getting these starts, then the Dolphins can really be a team to watch for a dangerous team. The Bills have problems right now, and both teams, the Dolphins or the Bills, they can't run the ball. But it just looks much more revealing when the Bills can't do it. Like right now, the Dolphins are 28th in the league in running the ball and rushing yards per game. The Bills are 29th. So they're really right there. It's kind of crazy. But it just seems like the Bills have way more weaknesses than the Dolphins. 
even though they have more big time names than the Dolphins. I wish that I would have went before you because you took what I was going to say. I think that this division is going to come down to week 17 because when you look at the schedules, each team has one incredibly difficult opponent left to go through. The Bills have the Steelers and the Dolphins have the Chiefs. But other than that, they both have totally winnable schedules through there. The other one maybe tough game, the Dolphins have the Raiders, which I I definitely think they could get through. So if you just say – the Bills are going to lose to the Steelers and the Dolphins are going to lose to the Chiefs, which I don't think is that easy to just say. But for the sake of argument, we'll say that they're both going to go into week 17 with an identical record. Um, and the Dolphins need to win that game because the Bills, if they win, would have the tiebreaker. So it's going to come down to that. And it's not a game that I would want to bet on either way, because when you look at them and I was debating back and forth in my head, you should think it, it It should be the Bills because coming into the season, the Bills were highly regarded. They started off the season red hot, but they just haven't impressed me the way that I thought that they were going to over the rest of the season. I think they're a legit competitor, but I also think the Dolphins are a legit competitor. I think that the, I don't want to spoil anything for later, but I think these are two of the top 10 teams in the NFL. And that week 17 matchup is going to be one of the best games of the season to watch. Personally, I'm still going to lean towards the Bills just because I don't want to bank on Tua improving week to week. I feel more confident in the Bills staying what they are than the Dolphins getting there, if that makes sense, at the quarterback position, if nothing else. Yeah, and the Bills, they've been getting better each week defensively. Their offense has been taking a dip. Defensively, I know earlier in the year they were in the 20s. Now they're 18th. So. And with these games they have left, the Chargers, the Niners, they can probably move up in those defensive rankings. I wouldn't put it past them for them to finish as a top 15 defense in the NFL. But like you said, I do think that that Week 17 matchup is going to be what decides the division overall. I'll say this, as a Jet fan, I'm terrified of the next decade because both of these teams look primed to really have, I don't want to say a dynastic run because the Patriots were what a dynastic run is. And I don't think anybody will reach that in the near future, maybe the Chiefs, but they are set up for a decade of really good football, good coaching, good young quarterbacks, a nice core of young players around them. And especially you look at the Bills with their draft hall they have coming up, the cap space they have this offseason, and the Bills are already there. You know, it's going to be a great division battle to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. The Raiders are one of those teams that are looking to get into the playoffs, and they had a dominant win over the Broncos. I'm not sure if it was more Raiders being great or the or the Broncos, and and specifically Drew Locke being horrible. He threw four interceptions in that game. But as of now, the way you see the Raiders, do you think that they're a lock? to make the playoffs. Riv, I want to start with you. I don't think there is a is a lot for those, you know, five to seven teams in the AFC. I think them, the Browns, the Dolphins, they're going to be scrambling for a playoff spot. But I had them going in the playoffs for me because I just feel like – and I picked them on that game when they beat the Chiefs because I feel like that game really gave me a – like, yo, this team is legit. It's for real. Derek Carr, I can, I can jump on the Derek Carr wagon. And I can believe in Derek Carr. This team is good. 
has a solid team. So I, I like I like this team to make to make the playoffs. I wouldn't say they're a lock though, because there is no lock in the AFC right now. Personally, I the Raiders have been one of the teams that have impressed me most this season. I mean, playing in a tough division with the Chiefs, I didn't expect much out of them. Ever since the the MVP candidate season that Derek Carr had, and he had that injury, he hasn't been the same. But you look at them this season, and while they're six and three, which is you know I'd say pretty middle of the pack in the NFL this year, slightly above average, they have competed with everybody. They they're the only team in the league to beat the Chiefs so far this year, which is I mean a gold star achievement because I think they're still the best team in the league, and they have hung around in every game against very good teams. So. I personally think with this expanded playoff format, they're a lock to make it at this point. And they do have a slightly tough schedule ahead of them. They're going to play the Chiefs again this week. They got the Colts. They got the Chargers. They have the Dolphins. Uh, all of those games. They do have Jets and Falcons, though. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say that. They had the Jets, <laughs> the Falcons, the Broncos, which should all be easy wins. But, you know, I just think that with as competitive as they've been, the, the the one blowout that they've really had all season was the Buccaneers. And even that game wasn't as bad as the scoreboard showed, in my opinion. So I think that with this expanded playoff format and the way they've been playing, they're a lot to make it. See, that's your mistake, Jack. You're trusting the Raiders. I'm not trusting the Raiders, and I'll tell you why I'm not trusting the Raiders. Last season, they started out 6-4. and four. I said on the podcast last year, the Raiders are making the playoffs, no doubt about it. They're going to make it. John Gruden, Derek Carr, I was on the bandwagon. They Last year, when they started 6-4, and four, they lost four in a row. Do you want to know the teams that they lost to in that span? I'll name you three. The Broncos, the Jaguars, and the Jets. The Jets had no business winning that game, and, we, and they came into MetLife, and we blew them out. And they finished the year 7-9. and nine. This year, yes, they're 6-3, and three, but... Are we sure they're going to beat the Falcons? I don't know. The Falcons have been playing better since Dan Quinn got fired. Are we sure? They, I don't think they beat the Chiefs. Do they beat the Colts? What about the Chargers? The Chargers are in every single game. The Dolphins, what about them? And the Broncos, you never know what you're going to get from Drew Locke. And then the Jets, I'm, I'm worried that we can get our first run against the Raiders because we did it last year, and if Donald doesn't play, Joe Flacco, I'm telling you, he's been a good quarterback for the Jets. And he might win us a game, and we might not wow. get Trevor Lawrence. No, just wanted, to, just wanted no. to throw. Like, I'm looking at the schedule. Like the Raiders, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee. They all have the same record. So to say that they're a lock, Jack, I don't, I, I don't know. Only three of those teams can get it, and the Patriots just won two straight, so they're creeping. You know, I'm not going to say they're going to, you know, get in, but they can make some noise, beat some teams, mess some little things up. So I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily a lock. I, I will say though. That you guys, Joel, you are chatting. The Jets are not going to beat the Raiders. Your I never said they year, will. I said there was a possibility. There isn't a possibility. This team yes, this there year, is. last year, is a big difference. You guys weren't horrible last year. Rave, would this you would you horrible. have said? Would you have said that it was a possibility for the Jets to beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football before it happened? You guys, you guys beat the Cowboys last year. You guys were just beating teams. You weren't. Supposed no, but I'm saying this year we almost beat the Patriots. Nobody before that game thought it was going to be a close game. I'm saying that winless teams, sometimes they have a great game, and it can be against lose. the Raiders. You guys, found, you guys found the way to lose that game. Okay, but it, you never know. It can be against the Raiders. I'm just saying the Raiders, 
I like them. I love Derek Carr. 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, one-two punch in Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker, who both had two touchdowns against the Broncos. I love the Raiders, but I am not going to put my trust in them again. And sometimes you lose to teams that you're supposed to beat. And the Raiders the, last year did just that. They were supposed the to make the playoffs last every, year. You can say the same thing about every team in the in the wild card, though. You can say that about all the teams, though. They could lose a stinker. It happens in the NFL. No, yeah, and I'm just saying, with Joe Flacco at center, the Jets are a much scarier team than with Sam Darnold, as, as bad as that sounds, because we had so much faith in Darnold. But they're well, a different team with Joe Flacco at center. Don't put scary in the Jets. Together. Yeah, I, I personally don't think the Jets are scary, no matter who's playing quarterback yeah. on the roster. But well, I, I, I will say, now that I'm I'm looking at it more and more, I, I'm taking back my lock statement. Yeah, but I said. do think I do think that they're either going to be in the playoffs or the first team out of the playoffs. The reason I say that is because I think the Bills and Dolphins are a lock. The Steelers obviously are a lock. The Chiefs are a lock. That's four teams. So then it's going to come down to the Ravens, who I think are a lock, which is five. And then you have the Colts, Titans, and Raiders. It's going to come down to those three teams. One of them is going to win the AFC South and clinch that berth. And then it's going to come down to who can win the wild, the last wild card spot out of those two divisions. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was super high on the Titans to start the year. But over the past few weeks, they've really disappointed me. I, I don't know if I could trust them. And the same thing with the Colts. They're like a roller coaster ride. I don't know what to believe out of them. So it's going to be an interesting race between those three teams, but realistically two teams because one of them is going to win the division. That's why I say the I personally don't think the Browns are going to be a playoff team come the end of the season. So I think the Raiders are going to be the last team in the playoffs or the last team. Raiders, the Raiders are undefeated in the division right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you never week. know. Look, I, I love the Raiders, and I'm one of the biggest D Derek Carr fans out there. But it's just really it's just really hard to trust the Raiders, especially when their defense. They after this game, they just got into the top twenty. They're the 18th ranked defense now. <coughs> they just got into it. You know, you really don't know what you're gonna get out um out of the Raiders week to week. And I think last year the same can be said. And that's why right now I'm more hesitant than. I am than I ever was before when I talk about the Raiders. So before I go on to the next topic, I just want to let you guys know this. News just came out that the Celtics offered Gordon Hayward and three first round picks for Drew Holiday and they declined it. And yesterday, yesterday I was telling my cousin, I was like, if the Bucks gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and basically five first-round picks because they have the ability to swap on two of them. That's because another team made a, a crazy offer. That's the only reason why. They were not going that. They were not going to make an offer that crazy unless another team did it first. And that team happened to be Boston. I thought Atlanta was going to try to trade for Drew. But thinking back on it, Atlanta was smart. No way you give up that much for Drew Holiday. He's good, but he's not worth that. Yeah, and also I read that I believe Kevin O'Connor said the Celtics were chasing around looking to shop Kemba Walker for picks to include in the Drew Holiday deal. So that wasn't even what they wanted their final offer to be. They would have offered more if they could have. And, you know, I, it's funny because when the news first broke and it was Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and draft compensation, I said, are you serious? The Nets couldn't match that or, or give something better? 
And then slowly it turned into three first round picks and then two draft swaps. That is outrageous. From what year though? Oh, it's going to be over the course of the next five years, if I'm not mistaken, five or six years. I'm pretty sure with the stepping rule, it has to be over the next six years because you can't trade the picks in back-to-back years. But the reason they make that deal is not just for Drew Holiday. You're trading for Drew Holiday and Giannis signing the extension, which the hope has to be that he's going to do that at some point. Yeah, and you'd rather uh, Drew Holiday than James Harden, so I understand that. Well, no, for the originally I thought for the cost, but when the cost came out, that's a totally different story because it, so then wait, paying like, a similar cost for Drew. Like Holiday. if if Drew Holiday is worth two players and three first round picks, what the hell is James Harden worth? And what is Westbrook worth? The the Rockets must have been throwing a parade last night when they saw that deal because it totally reset the market. Well, I think guys, Holiday is worth more than Westbrook right now. Okay, but if, but it's what's still Harden- it still raises his value. Harden's gonna be worth Dinwiddie, Lavert, Jared Allen, four first like, round picks, four better, picks, and you better be okay with it because that's, that's Harden. We'll talk about that on Friday. So what we're gonna talk about right now, when we talked about the Raiders, obviously they have a great rookie receiver in Henry Ruggs III, who was a first round pick. And now we're just gonna talk about the 2020 rookie receiving class. I mean, this class has been amazing. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool. They all have 500 more yards. They, have all, they all have 500 yards or more. Then you get onto the like the bottom-tier receivers who are still pretty good, like Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, um, Henry Ruggs, Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, Gabriel Davis, and Jalen Rager on the Eagles, K, um, K.J. Hamler. And I just want to ask you guys this question. Outside of Justin Jefferson, because we know what Justin Jefferson is, he's a star. But which rookie receiver are you impressed with the most? And which one do you think is going to end up becoming the best out of these guys? Um, I'm, I'm going to start with saying LaVisca Shinock Jr. That's how you say his name. LaVisca, yeah, that's, that's my guy who I think impressed me the most right now. He's tied for second among rookies in targets. Second in receptions, third in receiving yards. So his numbers, everything is in the top five, top six in his number. He's been playing receiver and running back for the Jaguars. And even on the down year for the Jaguars, they have been absolutely dreadful. There are some bright spots, and he is definitely one of them. So I like him from being one of the best receivers. Who I think is going to be the best going forward, though, I'm going to stick to my pick, and it's CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be the best receiver out of this draft class, just for the simple fact that he is – the most, in my opinion, the most skilled. He has one of the best quarterbacks out of all of them. I think him and Dak are going to thrive if Dak stays there. I think they're going to be partners for a while and they're going to thrive together. So I'm going to go with CeeDee Lamb being the best out of this class and LaVisca Chenault, who has been impressing me right now. I, I realize that I got to start talking over you guys because you guys are stealing my takes. So, but before I get into those two answers, I just want to read off a couple numbers because reading these, I was blown away. <laughs> I knew this receiving class was great, but when you look at the numbers, this 2020 receiving class has over 7,000 yards, 74 missed. They've created 74 missed tackles, which is the first out of any receiving group ever. 176 receptions of 15 yards or more, which is the first out of any receiving group ever. 
only a 6.5 drop percentage, which is second out of any receiving group, 36 touchdowns, which is fourth, 296 first downs, which is 22 more than any other rookie receiving class at this point in time. And since PFF started in pro football focus, started in 2006, Justin Jefferson is their highest graded rookie receiver ever with a 90.2 to this point in the season. And T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk are both top 15 and only one other class since they started in 06 had more than one receiver with an 80-plus grade, and that was 2016. Those two guys were Tyree Kill and Michael Thomas. So it's a good indication of, of what this class has been. Now this, getting into it, you know, we, we've spoken about Justin Jefferson. He's come in, immediately filled the hole of Stephon Diggs. He's averaging 3.2 yard, 3.12 yards per route, which is second among all receivers in the league and he's on pace for over a 1,000 yards in his rookie season with Adam Thielen on the field with him and Dalvin Cook having the year that he's having. So he's been the best, but we're saying without him. Personally, Chase Claypool has impressed me the most. Him and Ben, him and ben Roethlisberger have 134.3. Hey, Jack, Jack, Jack. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yo, Joel, was it you who had doubts about Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I did. I will say, I will say in Joel's favor – he was the guy who was on Chase Claypool, who was the guy I was about to talk to, who I was about to talk about. Yeah, because, you know, I was just thinking, like, somebody told me about him. That's why, and he, that was Joel who told me about Justin Jefferson. So, Chase Claypool and Big Ben have 134.3 passer rating together, which is the fourth duo out of any quarterback receiver in the entire league. And that's with Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster on his team. So, he's sharing the load and, and still going out and getting his. And this is not what we expected out of him right away. I feel like there were a couple of rookie receivers who you kind of knew were going to come in and play a huge role. And you didn't expect that out of Claypool, but he has really been a key in that Steelers offense. Um, Who do I think is going to be the best going forward? I'm going to agree with Riv and say CD lamb. I just think that he's the most complete receiver in this draft. And he was really showing that star potential with Dak Prescott before Dak went down so early in the season and it's been hard to judge in the past few weeks because who has he had at quarterback? Gall- Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci. But, I mean, this class is ridiculous. T. Higgins has been incredible for, for Joe Burrow and the connection that they've developed. That's going to be super fun to watch the next couple of years. Brandon Ayuk seeing that larger target share over the past few weeks with every 49ers receiver going on the COVID list. He's been really good. Um and that's not even talking about Jerry Judy, who's dealt with the shaky quarterback play. He's had 19 plays of 15 or more yards. That's fourth in the NFL amongst any receiver. And then you're still not even talking about guys like LaVisca Chenault, Daryl Mooney, Gabriel Davis, KJ Hamler. They've all shown great signs at some point in the season. And then Jalen Rieger, Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims have all dealt with injuries throughout the season and all of them from their college tape have shown star potential. So I personally think that we can be looking at the greatest receiver class of all time. But mm. right now I'm going to say Chase Claypool has impressed me the most this year, but CD would be the guy I would take moving forward. Now I agree. This does have potential to be one of the best receiving classes of all time. That being said, you know, I said no Justin Jefferson, but that's the guy who's impressed me the most. But outside of him, because I'll name somebody else, you name Claypool, you named C.D. Lamb, or who did you name as your, like, most impressive, Riv? I LaVisca forgot. Chenault, I LaVisca Chenault. Chenault. Okay. Yeah, my guy is not neither of those. My guy is T. Higgins. This is a guy that when he got drafted to Cincinnati, one, I thought he was a step slow. I didn't think he he wasn't going to be a burner. He was going to be more of a possession receiver. But he's he's been more than that. And 
when he came into Cincinnati, I thought, wow, you have Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, John Ross, even Auden Tate. I'm like, wow, T. Higgins is going to get buried. But in fact, the exact opposite happened. He's their number one receiver right now. He's second among rookies in receiving yards, and that's Joe Burrow's favorite target. I feel like every time I'm looking at Bengals stats, I see T. Higgins having 100 yards receiving in that game. And this is a guy that I thought was going to be buried to begin the season, but he's ascended and he's built great chemistry with Joe Burrow. But to talk about the guy that I think is going to be the best moving forward, I think it will be Justin Jefferson. But I feel like that's an easy pick because Justin Jefferson, he's he has great hands. He's a great route runner. I think he's the best route runner in this class so far. But I'm going to go with another pick. And he's going to be the second best receiver in his class. That guy is Denzel Mims on the New York Jets. Denzel Mims, Denzel Mims is going to be a star. And I've said this even before the draft. I, I looked into Rivers' eyes, into, into my webcam's lens, and I said, Denzel Mims will be a superstar. He's a star. He's a superstar in the making. And he's the, the games that he's been with the Jets... He's played really well considering that the Jets have a horrible offensive scheme. They have inconsistent quarterback play. Denzel Mims has been a bright spot. I felt like ever since Denzel Mims came back, our offense has looked alive. It's looked better. And that's a product of Denzel Mims. That's 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 me giving credit to him because he's changed the way that I watch Jets football. When I watch Jets football, I say, okay, I can take this. Cause I'm watching Denzel Mims. If I'm not, if he's not on the field, I change the channel. But because he's there, he's box office. I want to watch him. Denzel Mims. He makes great plays. Once the Jets figure out this offense, get a good quarterback. Hopefully, it's Trevor Lawrence. You're going to see Denzel Mims become a star. And I was just gonna say the point that you made at the end. I think is the most important thing to everything that you just said. If this offseason the Jets bring in a real NFL head coach, get Trevor Lawrence in the draft, and he's everything that he was made out to be, and even you know maybe get another receiver to complement him, maybe get a running back to take some of the load off of the passing game, fix up that offensive line a little bit, give Lawrence a little more time to throw. That is not an outlandish take. In the games that he's played, he's shown potential to make spectacular plays. And in college at Baylor, you know, he never had a problem making the big play. One of the biggest problems he had was catching the football, and he's done a pretty good job of that so far. So you know he has the potential to make those spectacular plays that you see out of big-time receivers. So this offseason could be make or break for Denzel Mims and what he becomes. You don't got nothing I, to say, Riv? Because I know, uh, you, I know I you're like, holding I, back. No, I feel like there's a lot of guys who's going to be better than him. You know, Jerry Judy, you could have picked, you know, CeeDee Lamb, duh. Justin Jefferson, even Chase Claypool. I said Justin Jefferson. I said he's one. Yeah, but yeah, but putting Denzel at two, I, I can't take you seriously because it just gives me too much of your Jets bias into you. So we'll see, though. We'll see. I mean, he's only played, what, like two or three games? So we'll see. We'll see. As the year progresses, we'll see how he does. But – I'm sticking to my pick, C.D. Lamb, at one. If I had to pick a two, it would probably be, I think it would be Justin Jefferson or Jerry Judy. Those would be my top three guys out of this class, though. And, and let me also, I reeled off a bunch of great rookie receivers. I want to add another name that I totally forgot, but throughout the conversation, I remember Michael Pittman Jr. He's, He's been good. really good for the Colts this year when he stayed on the field, and I feel like he was one of the more slept-on receivers in the class. And 
he's stepped up in, in a big role with T.Y. Hilton being out. When he's been on the field, he's been big for them, and I think he can be moving forward. It's funny because Riv wanted to mention my my flop with Jefferson, but I called Claypool. I called oh, I, I called Pittman. Oh, oh, no, oh, it was a flop. It was a flop. I, I mean, I'll no, say it was just, a flop. Just, no, because I remember somebody telling me. That's oh, what yeah. I just but yeah, look, it I have the messages that I had with Riv when we when I said these are the guys that I think is going to have the best rookie receiving years. And some of those guys have been hampered with injuries, and that's the only reason why they haven't been succeeding. I think Jalen Rager, once he stays healthy, he's gonna really make a difference for Philly. If if for no other reason than the fact they don't have anybody else. Travis, Travis Fulgham has stepped up and, and been their best receiver, but outside of that, you know, who have they been counting on all year? Greg Ward. We're going to move off from these rookie receivers, and we're going to talk about a quarterback who's basically a rookie in this Saints offense, and he's about to get his first start, I believe, against the Falcons. That player is Jameis Winston. And quick, just a simple question. How good will Jameis Winston be for the Saints? Um, You know, it's hard to say. I do think he's in a... Very beautiful position to succeed. You know, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, pretty solid offensive line. Defense is starting to get it together. So I do believe he is a, in a very great position to succeed. In the, and, you know, with Drew Brees, we saw the offense had a little limitations because he didn't have the arm strength he once had. With Jameis Winston now, you can, you know, you can unlock that. You can unleash that because Jameis Winston is going to throw that ball. He can throw that ball with the best of them. So, it's going to be interesting to see if I had to bank on how well he succeeds. I think he'll be pretty good. I've, you know, I've seen Teddy Bridgewater thrive in that system. I think they're, you know, right there. So I think James Winston will be pretty good in the system. They, Michael Thomas is getting back. You know, Alvin Kamara, he's unleashed what he can do. So I, I think he's in a good spot. I think he'll be good. See, Riv, th- this, is, this is why I'm disappointed in you. You've been on a, on a bashing of James Winston tour. The previous episodes of the podcast, you bashed Winston. I told him, just wait. Wait until wait until he gets his shot. I said, man, he's going to be special. Franchise quarterback-esque. Jameis Winston, I will say this. He is going to do what Ryan Tannehill did. He is going to be great for the Saints. He is going to be their answer at quarterback long-term. You mentioned it. He's in a beautiful position to succeed. Kamara, Thomas, Sanders, Jared Cook, Jameis Winston in New Orleans isn't going to be Seamus Winston. He's not going to be 30 interceptions. In fact, he's going to take care of the ball well. When I watched the Saints versus the 49ers, they, they they ran a wheel route for Kamara. I saw Jameis Winston just eye him down, make the throw, and I was like, wow, that's beautiful. I said, wow, that's that's." That's franchise quarterback as beautiful. That's great, beautiful. And Jameis, you can't argue. He's a historic quarterback. He's 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 in a he's in he's in a company of greatness. He's one of eight quarterbacks to throw for five thousand yards. He's in historic company. When you look at that list of those quarterbacks that threw for five thousand yards, Jameis shows up along with the Peyton Mannings and the Drew Breeses. That's what, never got benched. And James Winston, I'm telling you. People want to blame him too much for what happened in Tampa. He had three offensive coordinators in five years. He never got a chance to have continuity. With New Orleans, 
He has one of the greatest offensive minds this league has ever seen in Sean Payton, and he'll have continuity. And he'll go back to his Pro Bowl self that he was in his rookie year when he made the Pro Bowl. He'll be a Pro Bowler. He's, in fact, he's, he's going to be a multiple-time Pro Bowler in New Orleans. Mm, multiple? Oh, man. And I won't – and before you go, Jack, because I know you're dying to speak, I wouldn't – now that Jameis is taking over for Drew Brees, I think they go farther. I think Drew, I think Jameis Winston plays so well in this stretch. Sean Payne is going to have to scratch his head and say, do, do we really have to put Drew Brees back in? Because that's how good Jameis is going to be. Are they going to dethrone your bucks? With Jameis, the grudge that he has for Bruce Arians letting him go, there's a possibility. You're literally like 6'9". All right, let, let me... There's a let possibility. Me, let me first start with the negatives. First of all, I understand he threw for 5,000 yards, but you look at that list, none of those guys had nearly the amount of interceptions that he has had in, in that span of time. Bruce Arians' he, system. Oh, okay, and, and let me finish. Let me speak. Let him Obviously, speak. Obviously, we know the guy that Jameis Winston is. He had the 30-30 last year. Over the last five seasons, nobody is within even 10 of Jameis Winston's 88 interceptions, but he's also top 10 with 121 touchdown passes. He's a hit-or-miss guy. He's a boom-or-bust guy. You know he's going to make those plays for you downfield. It comes with the risk factor. Let me also point out the negatives of – I don't know how well he fits in what the Saints have been the start of this year and the end of last year because Drew Brees was limited with his uh, deep ball accuracy, whatever you may say. He wasn't much of a deep ball thrower as his career went on. So they've become a short game offense between Kamara and the big knock on Mike Thomas is he only runs slants. And that's because the Saints offense has shortened up so much. So fit-wise, looking at it at its surface level, you say, I don't know about that fit. It's a little bit weird because that's never been the, J- the guy that Jameis Winston has been. He's always been downfield. Granted, you could say that's because of the system he was in with Bruce Arians in Tampa. Now, the positives. 19 of his 30 interceptions in Tampa Bay last year came when he was trailing. He felt like he needed to make a play. In New Orleans, he benefits from one of the best passing offensive lines in the league and one of the best defenses in the league that is not going to put him in as many situations where he is trailing. Second, the weapons that he has, especially Michael Thomas, I think get – I don't want to say he's underrated as a receiver, but I think his deep ball ability – is massively underrated. No, he is he is underrated as a receiver because there are a lot of people that think he's just a slant guy. Yeah. And the he, meme he is being can, created he about can get him. Downfield. He's underrated he as a receiver. Yeah. He he can get downfield. So that weapon is going to be personally I think better than Mike Evans was for him in Tampa Bay. It'll be the best weapon he ever played with. And Sean Payton, you mentioned a great offensive mind and he's creative enough that he can work around the fact that they've moved to a short game offense over the past year or so and, and expand the downfield. I think that Sean Payton's play calling in this aspect is going to be super important. And I think one of the most secret weapon aspects of this is he has the dump down option in Alvin Kamara that he never had in Tampa Bay. And Alvin Kamara is one of the best receiving he is the best receiving running back in football. There is yep. no if, ands, or buts about it. He is essentially a, a, a top slot receiver in the league. So Jameis has the option of 
it's not open downfield. You don't have to force it. You have the best receiving running back in the league uh, on nice, quick release, out routes, dump downs. You don't have to force it downfield. And I think that that could cut his interception numbers in half. So while there are a lot of concerns and, you know, things that could go wrong, I think that everything that surrounds him between the coaching, the offensive line, the defense, the receivers, Alvin Kamara, I think it's going to work out perfectly. And I do think it's going to elevate the, the, uh, the saints because you look at Drew Brees and we've had this discussion. There were reports that coming into the season, he didn't even want to play. He wanted to retire. He didn't want to play this season and the saints brought him back. I personally think that we've seen Drew Brees' last snap as, as a saint. And if it, if it hasn't been his last snap as a saint, this is going to be his last season. I think that this injury is going to be a big eye opener for him. And I think that this is James Winston's tryout for the saints job next year. And he better seize it. And if I had to bet on it, I would say he's going to do great in this system. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he is going to do great. And I've been saying it. Jameis just needs an opportunity. Even I think if he would have stayed in Tampa second year in that offense, they would have made the playoffs with him. I believe that. I've said that last year. I've been really high on the Bucks since last year. And Jameis, this is his time to shine, and I believe he's going to shine. I think this is definitely the best opportunity for him, you know, learning under Drew Brees for seven to eight weeks. So I think it's going to be a very interesting thing to see, but I do believe he's going to do he's going to do well there. Just say he's going to shine, Riv. Say he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. No, nah, I'm not going to do that, but he's going to definitely do well there. We'll see if he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks. But so Now we're going to talk about the Rams in the NFC West. It's a three-way tie for – the first seed in that division, the Ram- it's between the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks. They're all 6-3. and three. But after the Rams beat the Seahawks, did you think that the Rams proved that they should be favorites in the NFC West? I'll start on this one. Um, I think the Rams have certainly impressed me, and they've, uh, I, I want to say, raised my opinion of them from the start of the season. They are 100% in, in that dogfight at the top of the division. Um, kind of what I thought the Niners were going to be, except they had the injury problems. So now it's a three-way race between the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks. Uh, one of the things that the Rams have done really well this year is they've shown up in big games. When, when they've played good opponents, you know, I look at that Bills game that they should have won with that pass interference call. Uh, the Seahawks, they play great against. One of the things that hurts them the most, in my opinion, the Seahawks have the easiest schedule out of the the three teams in the NFC West the rest of the way. Their opponents have a combined about 38% winning percentage. Uh, For the Cardinals, their opponents have about a 49% winning percentage, and the Rams' opponents are about a 51% winning percentage. So the Seahawks are going to have the easiest schedule the rest of the way though they have a lot of problems to figure out defensively. And I know I sent you guys the video before we recorded this episode, Jamal Adams ducking out of a tackle, arguing with Pete Carroll on the sidelines. He has been number 78 out of 82 safeties in the league in coverage this season. And they just gave up two first round picks for him. And he was supposed to be the difference maker in that defense. So the Seahawks have problems and I personally don't know if they're going to be able to figure them out the rest of the way. But if I had to pick out of any of those three teams to win the division, 
for me, it would be the Cardinals. I've been super impressed by what they've done. I think that defense has elevated itself. And more importantly, Kyler Murray has shaken off that rust that we saw at the beginning of the season. He was a little bit up and down to start the year, but he is really playing like an elite quarterback over the last few weeks. So if I had to bet on one team to win it at this point, I would say the Cardinals, who I saw as a playoff team coming into the year, but my confidence in the Seahawks has certainly faded. And I, I can't say that I trust the Seahawks going forward. I I trust the Rams more than the Seahawks, but I trust the Cardinals more than both of them. I'll go first because I know Riv has the same opinion as you in terms of picking the Cardinals to win the division. No, I don't. Because I, I feel Actually, like... let me go first. Let me go first. Let me go first. Let me go, let me go first. All right, let you go, go first. first. Is this gonna, let me go first. Let me start off by saying that this NFC West race is going to be very, very entertaining towards the end of the year. All three teams have a chance to make it. I think all three teams can get in. I'm going to go ahead and flip my pick. I'm going to ride with the Rams. And why I'm going to ride with the Rams is because they can get to the quarterback. You know, they have 31 sacks on the year. They're eighth, they're eighth in sacks. They can they get turnovers. Jared Goff has been playing really well. I, and I like their team because, like you said, Jack, they can fight. They're going to fight. No matter who they play, they're going to get into a fight. And I think this team with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on that defensive end, Cooper Cup, Jared Goff on the offense, the running game has been really, really good this year. I think this team can definitely make some noise, get some wins towards the end of the year, and I think they'll come out and be the NFC West crown. Look, I agree with you, and I say it because I'll just go over the rankings right now. The Rams have the 18th-ranked offense. The Seahawks has the, have the first-ranked offense. The Cardinals have the seventh-ranked offense. Then when we get into defense, the Cardinals have the ninth-ranked defense. So top 10 defense and offense. Seahawks are 28 defense. They were at like 31 like two weeks ago. They're at 28 now. But the Rams, they have the second-ranked defense in the NFL. And I was so surprised with what I saw yesterday, um, Sunday when they faced the Seahawks. The Seahawks are the number one-ranked offense in the NFL. And the Rams completely shut them out. I mean, they couldn't get anything done. The pressure was on Wilson. Wilson was missing balls that he usually completes. He was getting pressured the entire game. They forced him into mistakes. And I think that's a testament to their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. He's done a hell of a job with that Rams defense. Second ranked in the NFL. So I think they can beat the Cardinals. They, they've already shown that they can beat the Seahawks. I was high on the Rams like into week three. I thought they came out, their offense is revamped, their defense got better. Jalen Ramsey knows the system. I think they're the team to watch out for. And somebody who's really good on um, Sunday was Daryl Williams. He intercepted Russell Wilson twice. One of them was just a great play. I think he read an out route and he just jumped it. I mean, the Rams are a team to watch for. And I think people are disrespecting them because they went nine and seven last year, which isn't even a bad record. But of course, after you make the Super Bowl and go nine and seven, people start to sleep on you a little bit. And that's what happened. That, that's what happened. That's what's happening with the Rams right now. I want to address uh, one of the things you said really quickly and then raise a new point. Uh, the Seahawks, they were impressive against Russell Wilson defensively, but I think the, the Russell Wilson is he. Yeah. The Rams were, he said Seahawks. I, wor I worded that wrong. I worded that wrong. The Rams were impressive against the Seahawks, but I feel like the Seahawks are running out of that Russell Wilson magic, and he's trying to do 
the things that he's been doing all year and teams are just stopping those deep plays down the field. Jalen Ramsey locked up DK Metcalf on Sunday, which he's arguably the best cornerback in the league. It's not that much of a surprise, but Russell Wilson is running out of that magic and he's had to carry that team all season long. And if the offense isn't doing it, then they're not winning football games because it is all on the offense's shoulders. Uh, another point that I wanted to raise that I think is really going to hurt the Rams is Andrew Whitworth going down on Sunday, yeah, without a doubt. who is a key for that offensive line. And when you look at Jared Goff this season, he has a third. This was as of three weeks ago, I will say. But as of three weeks ago, he had a 38.1% completion rate under pressure, which is a drop of 29.3 from his clean pocket percentage. The only quarterbacks that were worse than that at that point in time were Aaron Rodgers, Dwayne Haskins, and Mitch Trubisky. Um, and then beyond that, Goff has a 42% completion rate under pressure since in 2019 or last year in 2019 and 43% completion rate under pressure in 2020. Every year he's been bottom five in the NFL in completion rate under pressure. So if that offensive line folds a little bit under Andrew Whitworth, which we saw against the Dolphins when they played an elite defense, even with Whitworth in the lineup, they struggled to get him that clean pocket. And when that pocket collapses, Jared Goff is a totally different quarterback. So that's a big concern for me moving forward. How is the offensive line going to shape out without Whitworth? I don't know what the injury was, I don't. I didn't see if they announced yeah. anything today, but it did not look good. So if he's done for the year, that's a huge loss for the Rams. This is. I think it was an MCL. I'm pretty sure, but this is what I have to say. Uh, you talked about Wilson and making no mistakes and making those mistakes and trying to do too much. I think, I I think that that is wrong because I don't see that he was trying to do too much. I saw that he was. He just read it wrong, and. When I watched the game, the Seahawks were playing good defense for the defense that they played. I mean, they held them to 23 points. This is a Rams offense that, you know, is capable of scoring a lot more. They held them to 23 points. They were getting stops, back-to-back possessions. In fact, the the drive that Jamal Adams forced a fumble, and also I want to say that I think Jamal Adams has been criminally underrated with the Seahawks. People are bashing him way too much. Uh, he had a forced fumble. Then the next drive, he had a sack. But when he had that forced fumble, Russell Wilson threw a pick. So the defense made a play for him, and he couldn't repay them back. And they were in field goal range. But then when you talk about the Rams' defense, the Seahawks scored three points in the second half. And you want to know when that was? That was when there were 29 seconds left in the clock, and they scored a field goal. Those three points. The Rams basically shut them out in the second half, and that's the number one. That's the number one ranked offense in the NFL. So I think the Rams deserve a lot of respect, and I can't wait to see them face the Cardinals. Yeah, I think like to your, to the end of your point, I think that Cardinals matchup is going to be interesting. You know, because the Cardinals are a top ten in both offense and defense, and I think the Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins is going to be interesting, like it always was when the Texans played the Jaguars. You know, so I think. That's definitely going to be very enticing. I'm interested. I think it's really going to come down to those two teams just off the simple fact that defense is important in the NFL, and both those teams are one of the top 10 defenses in the league. So we'll see at the end of the year, but I think I'm going to ride with the Rams. I think the Rams are going to finish out with the division. I think the Cardinals and the Seahawks get in. And, you know, it's it's just interesting because all all three of these teams that at different point points in the year looked like totally different teams 
they're all sitting at six and three right now. And it's essentially a brand new season race to the finish line. Who's going to be the best the rest of the way. Personally, I would put my chips in the Cardinals basket. I've been really impressed by them and I, I, I would go with them the rest of the way. This was a moment that giants fans have been waiting for a zero turnover game from Daniel Jones. I feel like people should be throwing parades in New York right now, but of course we can't because of social distancing. But Daniel Jones finally had a zero turnover game, and I guess the, the question that everybody has is, can he keep this up? I mean, what do you think? Well, I'll say this. I don't know if he can keep up the no turnovers because that's what he's been for the past two seasons is he makes great plays, but he also makes poor decisions that I think a lot of it has to do with his offensive line hasn't been that great. And he also fumbles the ball a lot. It's not just interceptions. It's his ball security with fumbles, which he's yeah. improved. I'll give him credit. And he's made a couple of great runs the past few weeks. Um, I, I don't know if he can continue the no turnover games moving forward. When you look at the Eagles defense hasn't been great this season. So that doesn't really impress me. Uh, and moving forward, there's going to be tougher tests on the schedule. He has the Ravens. He has the Cardinals. Um, he also gets lucky with matchups like the Bengals, the Seahawks defense, the Cowboys defense. So he will have opportunities to build on something like this. When it comes down to the question of can they win the division, because that's obviously the next question, if he can keep this playoff, can they win the division? It becomes a whole different conversation because the division right now is the Eagles at three, five, and one, the Giants at three and seven. Personally, I don't think the Washington football team or the Cowboys are going to rebound from where they're at right now. It's turned into a race between the Eagles and the Giants, and the Giants yep. just got that win they needed over the Eagles. So it, it's anybody's race from here to the end of the season. Um, You know, it's Daniel Jones is going to throw another. He's going to have a turnover next game, and if not next game, the game four. He's just – what he is is – Daniel Jones is just a turnover frenzy quarterback. And it and a lot of it is sometimes he holds on to the ball too long and he makes few mistakes. Now I think he played the Eagles. The Eagles are very poor in the secondary outside of Darius Slade Jr. I think that's why he didn't throw an interception. I think this shouldn't be a a oh a, a step forward in the sense that he's gonna stop having turnovers because you gotta remember he didn't have a touchdown either. So it's not like he had a touchdown, no, no, he didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have an interception. He did have a rushing fumble, a rushing touchdown, but that's it. So I don't think, I think this is just a good game. He didn't have a turnover. I think he'll have a turnover next game or the week after. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think he'll be turnover free, but I think the question people want answered is, is he going to at least uh, win us games and not cost us games with his turnovers? Mm. And to that, I feel like, you know, maybe he finally got the monkey off his back that the only teams that he basically beat were the Washington football team and the Redskins, you know, last year. He finally beat a team. He finally beat the Eagles, another team besides that team, and a Tampa Bay along with that. But I think Daniel Jones, he has these flashes that he's super great. Then he has these times where he looks super bad. And I think just with the luck that's gone around in New York, He's going to have a few of those games or maybe, you know, two of those games to end off the season. Just enough for the Giants not to draft the quarterback and they'll run it back with him the very next year. And that's when we'll judge him. But in reality, 
the Giants could be a way better team right now. I, I know that once they signed Blake Martinez, Kyle Fackrell, Bradbury, Logan Ryan, I said this team is going to be, you know, it's going to be okay defensively. I wasn't seeing 12th ranked defense in the league defensively, but that's what they've been. The Giants have been a hell of a defense. And they, they've been keeping their offense in games. And now it's up to Daniel Jones to, it's up to Daniel Jones to capitalize on that and to start winning them some games because this NFC East is wide open. And that being said, do you think that the Giants can make a run at winning the division? Personally, I think they do, and I don't think it has anything to do with Daniel Jones. I think that all he has to do is keep doing what he's been doing. The defense has been one of the best units in the league, and I give all the credit in the world to Patrick Graham, who has come in there and totally turned that unit around. James Bradbury has been a Pro Bowl-level corner this year, so that was a great signing for him. Blake Martinez gave them a leader in the middle of the field, which they haven't had, and Jabril Peppers has been playing the best football of his career since coming over from Cleveland. So. That defensive unit has been super impressive, and it keeps them in football games. And And you look at their schedule this year. Jack, they, you didn't they, mention somebody. Who Who am I missing? Leonard Williams with five oh, sacks. Of course, Leonard Williams. I said he was going to be a, I said he was going to be a steal for the Giants when the trade was made, and he has been. Yeah, he has. And, and when you look at their schedule, you know, they've played some really good teams well. The first week of the season – they didn't they didn't have the Steelers on the ropes per se, but they hung in with them. They held them to a 10-point game. The Bears, they lost by four. They got blown out by the Niners, but then they held the Rams to a one-possession game. Uh, the Cowboys, they lost two by three, and that was with Dak, the game that he got hurt, of course. But Dak played almost that whole game uh, into the second half. Then they won by one. They lost by one. They lost to the Buccaneers, one of the best teams in the league, by two. And now they rattled off two wins in a row. So they've been in football games. There's no question. If Daniel Jones could have eliminated the turnovers, they would be running away with the division. But even with that, the defense has held them in games. So if Daniel Jones can be slightly better with the turnovers and the defense stays doing what they've been doing, I think they win the division. Pack Browns, Eagles, Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, that is the next five games for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yes, I do think the Giants can win the division. Just because of the simple fact that those – we can easily lose those five games, literally. And but I think, the Giants yeah. have the Bengals, Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys. I think it's going to – oh, my God. This is, uh. I think that two of those games, the Ravens and the Cardinals – I'm chalking up his losses. I don't think they could hang with those two teams. The Seahawks, that's going to be a, a, a tough one for them. But I think they could win it because the Seahawks' defense has been so bad. And with a great defense, we see Russell Wilson isn't having some struggles. The other games, I mean, the Browns, the Bengals, the Cowboys, those should be very winnable games for the Giants with the way they've been playing the past two weeks. So I think it speaks towards the division that the Giants are even in the hunt right now literally, with, with their record. But that's all you can do is play in your division. They've gotten themselves to a point where they're competing for it, and all they have to do is keep it up on defense moving forward, and Daniel Jones has to slightly eliminate some of the turnovers. Doesn't even have to be turnover-free the way he was this past week. He just has to be okay turnover-wise, and they'll win the division. See, in my opinion, I feel like maybe if, 
it was like a one game one game gap, they could win it. But I think two games is too much of a gap for them to win a division. I think it's over. Uh, maybe they can like you know be second in division and at like four and twelve <laughs> or five and eleven. But I think it's just way too late. They had games they could have won earlier in the year, and they missed on those opportunities, and that's what's going to cost them when trying to get into the playoffs. And it's honestly a disgrace that we have to talk about one of these horrible teams getting into the playoffs when the NFC has so many other better teams in the division. I mean, better teams in the conference. I'll tell you what. If the Eagles don't make the playoffs, there's only one way that that is true, and that's if Carson Wentz keeps playing the football that he's been playing. 12 and I, touchdowns I and 12 this interceptions. Is, this isn't a conversation that I want to have because I like Carson Wentz. I know Riv doesn't want to have it, but if they don't make the playoffs and Carson Wentz keeps playing at this level, you have to consider, is he even going to finish the season for you guys, let alone be your guy next season? I would rather see Jalen Hurts than watch Carson Wentz the way he's played the last two weeks. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. He has not impressed me whatsoever. And I would see what you have in Jalen Hurts. See if you caught a diamond in the rough like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Uh, and that's just my take. Carson Wentz has looked like a lost puppy out there the past few weeks. And it's sad because when he was healthy before that injury, he was an MVP level quarterback. And he just has never returned to that same level. He has a chance to redeem himself. You know, these next five games, he definitely has a chance to show, all right, I still got it. So we'll definitely see. I mean, don't know why you're putting that laughing emoji up. Your team hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. So that's just, don't even know why you're doing that. But we'll, we'll definitely see because these next games against the Browns, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, you never know. So we'll see. I'll say this. The last two games, the Cowboys and Washington football team should be a cakewalk. Those should be two easy oh, wins. Yeah. Well, we lost to the Redskins, so I don't know. In between the Packers, Saints, Cardinals, those are all probably losses. That makes the Browns and the Seahawks incredibly important games. So these next two games will tell hey. you a lot of what the Eagles are going to be moving. I mean, we beat the Packers last year, so you, you never know. They, do you think they're going to beat the Packers this year? Hey, we beat them in Lambo. They almost though. lost Not to the Jaguars. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll now see. we're going to go to our second to last segment of the day. NFL Pick'em Week 11. And for you guys watching on YouTube, it's a different setup. COVID protocol, so we're doing a Zoom call. But nonetheless, we're going to get to these picks. NFL Pick'em Week 11. Just want to put it out there. I went 10-4 and four in Week 10. But this week is going to be tough. So I'm not sure what no, I'm going to go in this so just week. Just for me to put it out there, nobody cares. Now come on. No, I'm just saying. I, t- hey, people, people do care. love to pick them last P- week. People the do care. Really if well if I went week. 10 and 4, it gives me some credibility. Like, okay, he might have some picks. I might use this. But okay, we're going to get into I went the... 10 or I think I went 10 and 4 or 9 and 5 last week. I'm not 100% sure, but I was just, positive. Just a side note, Jimmy is ex- Kyle Shanahan gave the uh, uh I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be our starter next year. All right, whatever. Who cares? It's Jimmy. But okay, first game, Thursday night football, Cardinals versus uh, versus Seahawks. Who's going to win that game? I can't pick the car. I can't. I can't go off my. I think I'm gonna pick the Cardinals. I'm gonna go uh, Kyler Murray and them boys. This is. I actually 
I have my notes in front of me. I did not write a winner for this game. This is the only game I did not write a winner for because I was so unsure of. I love the Cardinals. You could tell by watching the episode how high I am on the Cardinals. I have them winning the division. But when you look at the Seahawks, they haven't lost three games in a row since 2011. It's the only time they did that under Pete Carroll. He's such a good coach. I, I have to believe that he's going to get them back on track. I've... I'm going to go Seahawks, and this is the last branch of faith that I will give the Seahawks this season. But I just want to put it on record. I am incredibly not confident in this pick. I think that I'm going – this is a hard pick. This is a hard pick. But I think I'm going to trust Russell Wilson's preparation for this game because the first game, they kind of just confused him with this with the zero blitz looks and dropping back their linebackers, the last play with Isaiah Simmons getting the interception was a prime example of that. I think Russell Wilson has studied that film. He's going to use it to prepare for this game. The Seahawks defense didn't play too bad against the Rams, so I think that the Seahawks beat the Cardinals on Thursday night. Next game, Steelers versus Jaguars. This shouldn't be hard. I got the Steelers winning this one. I have the Jaguars. No, I was, was going to say <laughs> I had the Steelers. I also got the Steelers. I, I do feel like the Steelers are going to lose at some point. There's no way they go 16-0. and 0, but I said to the Ravens, I'm telling you. I'm just wondering where it's going to come. Okay, next game, Lions versus Panthers. This is a tough one. Nah, the, the, Lions, the Lions barely got by the Washington football team. I'll, damn, I think I'm going to pick the Panthers. I think they're going to win this game. I also debated heavily on this one. I'm going with Detroit. Christian McCaffrey's out again, so it's another wrench in that Panthers offense. Granted, Mike Davis has been good. And Teddy Bridgewater is also having some injury concerns. So I don't know what he's going to be on Sunday, where he's going to be at in his, you know, oh, that's his health. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do with quarterback. And if Teddy isn't able to go. P.J. Walker's going to play. So I, I don't know. I'm XFL go, star. <laughs> XFL star. And former Temple Owl yeah. back with Matt Rule. But I'm going to go Detroit just because there's a bunch of question marks with Carolina, and I, I don't know what they're going to look like on Sunday. What about you, Riv? I picked the Panthers. There was no debate in my part. I don't, I don't, I don't I had no debate. Lions are going to either blow the game like they usually do, blow a lead, or just lose. So, okay, next game, um, Patriots versus Texans. I got the Patriots. I think they're going to, you know. Just run the ball down the Texans' throat, and they're going to win this game. They're going to be good defensively. So I got the Patriots beating the Texans. I think I'm – oh. You want to go, Riv? I'm a, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the Patriots. I like what they've been doing the last two weeks, getting good, good wins. I think this will bump them at five and fives, and I think the Texans are inevitably an easy team to beat. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going Patriots, too. Cam Newton hasn't had an interception in three games, at coming off of a lot of criticism. I think he's playing better. They just had a good win against the Ravens. You saw that defense can be solid, and the Texans just are not a formidable opponent at this point in time. Next game, Titans versus Ravens, a rematch of the the divisional round. I mean, look, I, I think the Ravens, this is a tough game because they both need this game really bad. But I'm leaning towards the Titans. I think they beat the Ravens once. The league has figured out the Ravens a little bit more, so I think the Titans win this game. 
I'm going to go with the Ravens. Um, I know the Ravens are coming off a weird loss against the Patriots, but it's hard to judge that game because the weather was miserable. Uh, the Ravens have one of the best run defenses in the league. So they're going to, I don't know if they're going to take Derrick Henry out of the game, but they're going to make him less of a factor than a lot of teams would. And that's going to make Ryan Tannehill have to beat the Ravens secondary, which I personally don't like those odds. And Tennessee has been below average against the run this year, which we know the Ravens are the best rushing team in football. So I'm going to go with the Ravens getting back on track. Both teams coming off losses. Both teams coming off bad performances. This is a very tough game to pick. So I'm going to go with my gambler's gut. And I'm going to go ahead and pick the Titans to steal this one out. I think the Titans are one of the kryptonites of the Ravens. I think that last year playoff game is still in their throats. And I think I'm going to go ahead and say the Titans are going to get this W. And I'll say this. That game is one of the most important games of the season for my Raiders pick. Because if the if the Titans get this game, that's a win that I would not have chalked up to them on the schedule. So it would be huge for them securing a playoff spot. Okay, so the Titans game, lose. So next game is the Eagles versus the Browns. Who's going to win this one? I'm going to go hometown favorite this one. I'm going to rock out with my boys. I'm going to pick Philly to get the win. We got a couple guys are healthy. Lane Johnson is now fully practicing. Alshon is fully practicing. So we got guy Miles Sanders is now fully practicing. So we got guys that are healthy. So, you know, I'm going to ride with us for this week. I'm going to go with the Browns. I mean, the Eagles just look terrible. Little finger at you, I would. <laughs> the, the Eagles just look terrible against the Giants. And I don't know what to expect out of Carson Wentz. And plus, on the Brown side, although they didn't have the prettiest win last week, they got Nick Chubb back. He looked really good, almost picked up right where he left off. One of the best rushing attacks in football with him and Kareem Hunt. So I'm going to go Browns. Yeah, I'm going with the Eagles. I think uh, they need this win. And I'm not too sold on the Browns. So I'm going with the Eagles in this one. Next game, Falcons versus Saints. Like I said before, Jameis Winston is going to be phenomenal. I said that earlier on the show. The Saints are going to beat the Falcons. And Jameis Winston, three touchdown passes this game. Mm. I'm also going Saints. The Falcons have won three three out of their last four since firing Dan Quinn. They definitely have looked better, and that offense has looked better. They look like a real football team, which you couldn't even say that at the beginning of the year. Um, And with Drew Brees being replaced by Jameis, it's a lot of stuff up in the air. But I just still think that Saints defense is too formidable. Even if they have problems offensively, I can't see the Falcons offense doing much against the Saints defense. So it'll give Jameis that cushion to ease into things. I'm going Saints if I didn't say that. Saints, they've been on a roll. They've been on a tear. And Jameis Winston, I feel like even him getting in the game, it's not going to change a thing. Camaro's rolling. Michael Thomas is starting to get back. He's rolling. That defense is rolling. So I'm going to go with the Saints. I think they're going to have a pretty strong finish to the season. Okay, next game, Bengals versus Washington. I got the Bengals, the Washington football team. They haven't really looked that good to me. Their offense is putrid, and their defense has kind of took a step down, step back. So I got the Bengals in this one. I trust in Joe Burrow. I also I wanted to trust in Joe Burrow. I like the Bengals a lot, and I've said they, they compete in every game. But when I looked at it, I'm going Washington football team. They're, they have allowed the fewest air yards in the league, surprisingly. I would not have guessed that in a million years. And they're also fourth in sacks. The Bengals have major O-line problems, and that's been highlighted the past few weeks. So I think that they're going to be in the backfield with Joe Burrow all day long. It's going to be a shootout, 
And I personally think that Alex Smith coming off two, I believe he's had two back-to-back 300-yard performances. He's looked really good since slotting in here. I'm going to go with Washington football team in a shootout. Like Jack said, I think it's going to end up in a shootout, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the guy with the better weapons and the better quarterback essentially right now. So I'm going to go with Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and them boys. I think in the end, the shootout, they'll get the W. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Next game, Jets versus Chargers. Pretty easy for me. I got the Chargers. Chargers. I didn't even write any notes for this one. I just wrote Chargers. I think it's obvious. Justin Herbert's going to have a field day. Next game is obvious to me, too. Dolphins versus Broncos. I got the Dolphins in this one, especially Dolphins. after Drew Locke threw four interceptions. It wasn't even – okay, first of all, I'm going to need you to stop saying that because if you watch the game, it really wasn't in his fault. The offensive line was really collapsing. Are you serious? Three, no, of, them, three of them were hit – I watched – Three. Three of them were all of his fault. Bro, the offensive line kept collapsing. He had to just throw the ball, bro. It's not even his fault. Yeah. We'll get on that later, though. No, I think you're ridiculous for that, saying that. I'm also going to go Dolphins. I think it's an easy pick. You watched last week against the Chargers, and Justin Herbert, who I think is, I don't want to overstate this, much more talented than Drew Locke right now. They gave Justin Herbert problems and made him uncomfortable and forced him into at least one mistake with the pick with Zamian Howard. I I just think that they're going to make Drew Locke's life hell, and I don't see how they win this game. Okay, next game, Cowboys versus Vikings. Andy Dalton, I think, is coming back, but I still have the Vikings. I think they get to 5-5. Five and five. They've looked really good, especially when Dalvin Cook has been there. So I have the Vikings winning, winning this game. I was really impressed with Kirk Cousins' performance the other day, so I think I'm going to ride with that, not to mention Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And Dalvin Cook, who's been rolling, I think that offense is on go. It's on fire. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Vikings to get the W. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Vikings. I think I've been notably not high on the Vikings this year. Now they won four in a row. Or I'm sorry, this the, on Monday that was their third in a row. They've won three in a row, and they're playing the Cowboys, who even if they get Dalton back, he, he didn't look great when Dalton was playing. So, I mean, the offense has so many question marks, and the defense has been atrocious this season. I think Dalvin Cook is going to have a field day. He's going to do whatever he wants, and it's going to open up Kirk Cousins in the passing game. I'm going Vikings. Next game is Packers versus Colts. This is a tough game, but uh, I have the Colts winning this one because I think they're going to play really well against that Packers offense. I think they're going to shut them out to an extent. And the Packers, they're not they're good defensively, but but they're not that great defensively. And I think the Colts overall, after beating the Titans, they have the the momentum. So I have them winning this game. I'm also riding with the Colts this week. Um, they have a strong pass defense, which is going to defend well as well as you really can against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Hopefully, slow them down enough. And then also the Packers have struggled against the run. You mentioned that their defense has been shaky and the run has hurt them all year long. And Naeem Hines is coming off a huge week. So I I think he's going to bounce back and have another nice week this week. And I'm going to go Colts in an upset. I, you know, this game is tough because like, you know, I like both teams can win this game, but they're winnable games for both teams. Um, The Colts, I think defensively, like you said, Joel, the Colts defense is just, more well put together and offensively they're a good group so I, but I think I'm around with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers this one I think the Green Bay Packers get the win next game Chiefs versus Raiders I know the Raiders beat them the first time but I'm going Chiefs in this one and they improved to nine and one I was tempted to go Raiders in this one only because 
The Chiefs put three players on the COVID list yesterday, including their two starting offensive tackles. So I don't know what their week is going to look like, how quickly they're going to get back with their tests and get back on the practice field. And that can cause problems. We've seen it so far this season. The Raiders had it happen to them when they lost their whole offensive line, I believe it was two weeks ago. So it's going to be interesting, but I just can't see the Raiders beating the Chiefs a second time. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to go to school on the mistakes he made in the first game and make them pay this time. So I'm going Chiefs. I think you hit it on the head. You could throw me any stat in the book. You could throw me any. I don't see the Chiefs losing twice to the Raiders. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to get this W. So the last game of the week, Rams versus Buccaneers, Monday Night Football. I have Tampa Bay in this one. They're going to show everybody on national television why they should still be taken seriously and they're still should they still should be one of the favorites to make it out of the NFC. Jack, he's going to say that. And then if they lose, he's going to say it doesn't matter. It's just a regular season game. It's this, that, and third. Okay. I think I'm going to pick the Bucs because I feel like they're the better team. They're going to come out and get the win. I think that loss against the Saints put a bad feeling in their mouth, and I think they're going to come out and start really rolling on teams. So I'm going to pick the uh, Bucks to get that. I'm also going with the Bucks for a reason I mentioned before mainly – Losing Andrew Whitworth takes uh, without knowing where they're going to go now with that offensive line and who's going to slot in and how well they're going to do. I have real concerns about that. And I mentioned all the numbers on how much notably worse Jared Goff plays under pressure than with a clean pocket. And with that Bucks defense, you know, it's going to be an issue, whoever they slot in. So I'm going to go Bucks. I, I think that Jared Goff is going to have a stinker. Okay. And that's going to do it for week 11 pickums. We want you guys to comment down who you guys think are going to win and do your pickums in the comments as well. So now we're going to move on to our last segment of the show, NFL Power Rankings Week 11. Jack and Riv, you guys can start first on your 10th pick. I'm going to go pick something up upstairs real quick. So you guys start on your picks first at number 10. Um, before we start, actually, I wanted to say uh, basketball news coming out. Supposedly, the Rockets and Wizards have discussed the deal centered around Russell Westbrook for John Wall. So that'll be interesting. Ew. I, You're getting I, bad for worse. The, oh only thing, the only thing I can imagine is the Wizards are giving high draft compensation, but that doesn't make any sense for the Wizards. But we'll talk about that on a Friday. We have a well, big no, basketball week coming up. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll yeah. have a big we we have a big basketball week coming up. The draft tomorrow night, yeah. which we have some plans for, which when these come out will be tonight, I guess. And then Friday, we're going to have a big basketball episode talking about all these trades, trade rumors. Me and Joel Yo, are probably going to get heated over James gonna be, Harden. It's going to be so crazy the next month when basketball starts yeah. and, like, football is still on. December is going to be a wild month. I have two new teams jumping in my power rankings. Two. I got two this week. My power rankings look much different than they did last week when we talked about it. Um, Joel, I know you're just getting back. I just mentioned that there's guy. there's trade talks between the Rockets and the Wizards. Uh, Russell Westbrook for John Wall. That's what it's centered around. So weird stuff going on. I just gave a little plug to our basketball talks that are going to be coming out this week. Stay tuned for it. We got a lot it's of great basketball content too. coming up. It's a blockbuster deal. Uh, yeah. So okay. So stuff. So now we can start our power rankings, and I'll go first. All right, so before you, go, before you go first, let me just, like, introduce the topic again. Okay. So no NFL weird. power rankings, week 11. Jack, I'll start with you. At number 10, 
a team that I, I docked maybe a little bit more than I should have for a loss this week, the Ravens. I had them slotting in at number 10, and it wasn't even because – like it was more because I had teams jump them than I had them falling below teams. You know, I still think they're going to be really competitive in, in the AFC. It, it's hard to judge them based on the game that they lost this past week, but I, <laughs> I'm going Ravens at 10. I, um, I have a three-way tie. And this is the all the losers that lost last week to pretty good team. Seahawks, Ravens, Titans. That is my three-way tie for the 10th spot. But if I had to choose one, I would probably pick the Seahawks. So I have the Seahawks at my 10th spot. I think all three teams played good teams, and they showed us that they weren't better than the good team on that day. So I'm going to go Seahawks at 10. You are crazy, and I'm about to go do that. The number 10 team I have is the Rams. I mean, I can't put – the Seahawks over them because they lost to them. I can't put the Raiders in my top 10 yet. The Colts have to prove it to me one more week. The Browns and Titans are not there. So I have the Rams being the number 10 team in the NFL. And the Ravens, like you said, Jack, they're they're close to that number 10 spot too. They're close. And I'll, I'll keep it moving with number 9. And I'm just going to say I dropped the Seahawks out of my top 10, which hurt me to do. But the way the list shaped out, they just happened to not make it. There were a couple teams in that 10, 11, 12, 13 that could have been mixed around with. But I went Ravens at 10. Now I'm going Rams at 9. They really impressed me. And he, I, I'm not judged. Moving forward, I think they can fall with the loss of Andrew Whitworth, which I think is going to be very big. But based on what they've shown me so far, I have them at 9. Drum roll, please. I got a new team jumps into my top 10 at nine. I'm putting the Colts in my top 10 just off the simple fact that that was an impressive win. It was a dominant win. Second half, they showed something that I didn't see all season. They basically shut out the Titans, and now they're number one in the division. When you're number one in the division, you got to be in my top 10, aside from the Eagles. So the Colts are at number nine for me. Number nine for me is, a, is, the, is the Ravens. Oh, mute. Oh, shit. This is a Zoom. It's the world we live in. <laughs> Number nine for me is the Ravens. After losing to the Patriots, I mean, they should have dominated the Patriots. After losing to them, it gave me a real bitter taste in my mouth about the Ravens. I'm not too confident in them going forward. And I think all the teams I have ahead of them deserve that spot ahead of them. At eight? I'm going Dolphins. I'm really high on the Dolphins. Some people might call me crazy for having them as high as I do, but I've been super impressed with them. And I feel like the losses that they had do not reflect the team they are as we speak right now. I have them, not to spoil anything, but just a touch below a division opponent. Right now I have them at eight, but I could definitely see them jumping up more based on the next few weeks. Oh, stop doing that. <laughs> oh, man. Man, what a lovely what a lovely week. I have the Rams jumping in at number eight. I feel like that win last week, they've been pretty good the last couple of weeks. You know, they came out the bye. They was on fire. They looked good. They looked impressive. And I think they just put a whooping on Seattle. You know, Jalen Rams, you saw him completely shut down DK. So, yeah, the Rams jumping to my eight. Dolphins are creeping. And they'll, they'll probably be here next week, but those are my two new teams so far. Whoa. So that means you don't have the Dolphins in top 10 at all. That's crazy. Yeah, my number right. eight team is the Packers. 
I dropped from a few spots after after barely beating Jacksonville. That was alarming. That was alarming, <laughs> and that's why I can't take them too seriously. And that's why they dropped. They're the number eight team in the NFL right now, currently to me. I keep it moving along with my number seven pick. Personally, it's seven. I kind of spoiled it with my last pick. I have the Buffalo Bills, another AFC East team. I think they're right there, neck and neck with the Dolphins, like we mentioned in our segment about them. Um, I just think that they had a, a couple of impressive wins in a row. And then that loss to the Cardinals, which you can't blame them. That was just a spectacular play by DeAndre Hopkins. And had it not been for that catch, they might be two or three spots higher on my rankings right now. But be that as it may, I got them at seven. I have the same team at seven. I have the Bills People at just seven. Skip me. I forgot. I thought I thought you weren't even back yet. Not gonna lie, but I have the Bills at seven. Um, I agree with you that it was a close game, but then after losing to the Cardinals, you have to drop them, and that's why they're seventeen for me. Yeah, you know, Joel knows this for years. I, my my undenying love for Josh Allen. I love the Bills. I love Josh Allen, but at the same time. You lost. You know, you lost a good game. NFC West teams, they seem to have a pretty good handle of those teams, but I had to drop them to seven, so my bill's coming at seven. So we that that might be the only team that we have in common. We all have the Bills at seven. Who's pretty your sixth team? My sixth team, I have the Packers at number six. It was a weird game against the Jaguars. They should have blown them out. I docked them for the fact that it was so close, and I also had another team jump them that I'm high on. Uh, I just changed this too because originally I had a team below them at six. I had them at five, but I just moved them down to six. Now that I'm rethinking, I got the Packers at six. My sixth team is the Cardinals. Uh, after beating the Bills, I had to put them over them. And the Cardinals, I don't think they were in my top 10 last week because they lost to the Dolphins. But then after coming back and proving themselves and beating the Bills, I have to put them at six and I have to put them one spot above the Bills. Well, like you said, cards and packs both got a win, but obviously I always got to look at which win was more impressive. The Jaguars game looks a little it, it looked a little weird. So I, I have the Packers coming in at six for me. I feel like even though it's, the game was still a little weird, you still get the W, so nonetheless you don't go too high, too low. So I have the Packers at six. Joel, you just mentioned the team that I have at five that I, I originally had at six, flip-flop to five, a team that I think has been hitting on all cylinders and is another team that is different than they were in the first three weeks of the season or so, the Arizona Cardinals. I think that Kyler Murray is playing at an elite level right now, and if he keeps this up, has that, you know, that, that repertoire of receivers, I think that DeAndre Hopkins has been even more than you could have expected when you traded for him. That was the the fleecing of the century. Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, great weapons around him. And a lot of people aren't high on the running back core because their fantasy production. But Kenyon Drake and Chase Evans are weapons. The line has been okay enough to, to let him perform. I, I really like what the Cardinals are doing. I give Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury a lot of credit for where they're at from the start of the year. So I have him at five. My number five team is going to surprise both of you guys. My number five team is the Miami Dolphins. I have them at five because they beat that team that you're talking about, the Cardinals. They beat that team. And I feel like when you have a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, the fifth-ranked defense, and the ninth-ranked offense, you deserve a spot on the list. And I see right now that the Dolphins are only going to 
go on a win streak right now. I see three three more wins, three straight wins from them from this point forward, and they're going to be 9-3 and three by the time we're in week 14. Number five, I agree with Jack. I got my boys. I got the Cardinals up there. I just feel like that win last week, obviously you got to put them over the Bills. It's a pretty good week, and they've been on a, they've been on a pretty good tear, top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense. So they're a good team. I, I got them at five. I'll go next at four. I got the New Orleans Saints, and this is definitely what? subject to change. I don't, I don't know which way it's going to go. If they're going to move up or down, but I think that Jameis Winston is going to be a, a difference maker one way or the other. I have them at four right now, but I'm excited to see where they go moving forward. Wow. I mean, I agree with that. I got the Saints at four. I, were, I was going to have them higher, but once Drew Brees went down and now Jameis is the starter, even though I believe in Jameis, I got to drop them down a spot because there's a question mark there on what they're going to be. So I have them at four. Well, you literally just told us before that you think Jameis Winston is going to be better than Drew Brees. No, I didn't. But I said anyways, there's a possibility. Well, I have the Bucks at four. I still feel until the Saints show me that they're not the Saints, then I'll see it to believe it. But I have the Bucks at four. I think they got a good win last week. It was an impressive win, but you still got to show me more. So I think they're going to go on a, a real strong tear coming up. I got them at four. Moving on, number three, the team you just mentioned, I got the Bucks. I just feel better with Tom Brady at quarterback than Jameis right now because I want to see if everything that I said about, you know, Jameis Winston stepping in is true. Can Sean Payton cater to him and his his deep ball? Can the receivers be what we think they are? Can he hit Alvin Kamara on those checkdowns? Can the defense hold up enough to let him play with a lead? All of those questions I don't have the same question. I definitely have questions with the Bucks, but I feel more sure with the Bucks right now moving forward. That's why I have them at three. The Bucks are my number three team as well. I think that after losing to the Saints and getting embarrassed, they embarrassed the Panthers, and they're, then they're going to beat the Rams on Monday night. But I think the Buccaneers are just going to get that chemistry rolling, and they actually might be higher next week, depending on what happens on Monday night. Well... I, for one, have the Saints and my three pick. I think they stay. They got a win last week. And I think even putting them, putting the Bucks over them, I, I couldn't do just yet just because the Saints have their number twice. They embarrassed them once with A.B. And then they just beat them without A.B. And I think this team is still a very strong, strong team. So I got them at three. That's a fair point. At number two, I think that Joel is going to disagree with me on this one. I think Riv is going to have the same pick, though. I have the Steelers at two. I know they're still undefeated. No, I got but... the Steelers at two as well. All right, so then I think I think we all you disagree with it. That's I was gonna say, that's funny because last week it was different for me. The Steelers have looked great, but I'll talk about my number one pick when we get there. The Steelers still undefeated. I think they're going to remain undefeated this week, and I feel wrong putting them at two, but I wouldn't feel right putting the team I have at number one at number two right now. So I got the Steelers at two. Riv, I thought you had the Steelers. Uh, you were going number two. That's right. I have um, number two. I have the Chiefs at two. I think the number one team is still undefeated. You got to still keep them at one, in my opinion. I think the Chiefs, though, you know, consistently, aside from that stinker against the Raiders, which is still a great game, I think they've, they've been equally great. They've been the best team in the league. I think we don't agree. But as of week 11, I have them at two just because of that one blemish. I mean, yeah, the Steelers have been amazing, but the Chiefs are the remaining – remain. they are the – reigning Super Bowl champions. 
and they're playing at an elite level. Even though the Steelers have been amazing, I just can't put them over the Chiefs when you take into account how well the Chiefs have been playing. So, spoiler alert, the Chiefs are my number one team in the NFL right now. And I'm also, I have the Chiefs at one. I think that's pretty obvious. That's the rest of the teams I just named, but... Their defense has been a top 10 unit in the NFL, and that was that's the weak part of their team. Their offensive line has been really solid. Their weapons are arguably, if not the undoubted, most dangerous weapons in the league. And on top of that, they have the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes, at the helm. He's playing at an MVP level, and if it wasn't for having those riches around him, he would be the surefire MVP. So I just I, I don't see – how when it comes down to it in playoff time, anybody beats this Chiefs team. That's why I have him at one coming off the Super Bowl. I've been saying it all year. Somebody has to – they either have to prove me wrong or somebody else has to prove me that they are leaps and bounds better than them, and I have not seen that yet. So I, I'm sticking with Chiefs at one. Um, There's nothing wrong with that pick. I have the Steelers at one. They're the undefeated team in the league, and Big Ben is showing he could still ball. You know, Chase Claypool is coming in his own, Deontay Johnson – Juju Smith-Schuster, they got a pretty eh, – it's all right running game. That defense, T.J. Watt, Joe Hayden, them boys, that defense is really, really special. So I think the Steelers, if not for the Chiefs, they're one of the most – in the Bucs, they're one of the most complete teams in the league. And I think they're definitely deserving of a number one spot. So I have them at one. So that does it for our Week 11 Power Rankings. Comment down on the comment section. Tell us who you – who your top 10 is going into Week 11 of the NFL season. So this is going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast, episode 41. You guys can find us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at Pick Aside Podcast. And on Twitter, it's at Pick Aside Pod. You can also donate to us on Patreon if you search up Pick Aside Podcast. And you look, you can look at the tiers over there. So this was definitely a weirder episode than before. First time on a Zoom call with Jack, because we've done this with JC before. But first time doing this with Jack, Zoom call. Hopefully we get back into the studio soon, but that does it here. Yeah, and stay tuned because we got a big week coming up between the draft and all the NBA rumors that have been coming out. If you think we're ignoring them, we're not. We just wanted to split it up, a football episode, a basketball episode. So you'll be getting all our basketball takes this week too, and me and Joel are probably going to go at it about James Harden, so don't miss it. Stay tuned. We got some great content coming up, and definitely we'll look out for it. I'm a legend. All right, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.